us. Well, we're going to talk about us for today and how us can affect them because them are us as well. All right. And so uh, last week, that's a play on words, isn't it? Don't judge me for my English, you English speaking people. <laughs> Mine is more of a South Omaha dialect. And so it just kind of comes across. You'll understand what I'm talking about at some point in time. You'll get me. Um, God is so good. Last week we talked about the Grinch, and um, I, I wore the shoes. I think I'll have the shoes again on next week. I, they're so cool. I got to wear them a couple times, but I can't really wear them during Fourth of July. You know what I mean? So uh, they're the Grinch shoes. Uh, but sometimes we get a little Grinchy, right? And our heart's a little too small, and we need our heart to grow, so we walk in a little bit more love. And today we're going to talk about that love needs to be for who Jesus came for, and that's all of us. He came for all people. So we're going to read out of Isaiah today, 9, just verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness for this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are alive and well. We thank you, uh, Lord, today that we have opportunity to study. Lord, and as we do, we pray you open our heart and our mind and our ears to hear and understand and comprehend as we learn who us is, Father. We thank you so much that you truly did come for us. We're included in that. So be with us today as we study. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow lived from 1807 to 1882, and he wrote this poem. You've heard it well. It's been on Christmas cards. He says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, good will to men. I thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along, though in broken song, of peace on earth, good will to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, good will to men. Wadsworth uh, Longfellow was probably going through something like many of us do at times where these things in the world start to bother us. They start to get us down. They start to hinder us and hold on to us. And maybe it's something somebody said or did, or maybe it truly is a loss of a loved one or something that's happened, a layoff on a job or just a, a harsh word or, or somebody's falsely judged you or maybe they thought evil of you or wrongly for you. And, and Longfellow's going through this, maybe in my mind, this is what's going through in his mind. And like, it's, are things going to work out? Is it going to have there is no peace on earth and this poem was written 150 years ago so you can see where we think the same as they thought back then or maybe even the 1500s or the 1200s there's always been this thing we've gone through there's been no peace on earth what's going on lord you came to bring peace jehovah shalom but longfellow has a awakening in the middle of the poem and he writes the last verse he says then Pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, 
goodwill to many, has this relationship, if you will, with with a, a supreme being, God, that says, wait a second, there doesn't have to be peace on earth as long as there's peace in here. As long as I walk in the peace and the joy and the love of the Lord, as long as I see what God has in store, then I know forevermore there will be peace on earth, goodwill towards man. It starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with you. Two words in the two verses that I read this morning that I want to cover for a second. The first word is kingdom. I think we look at kingdoms and sometimes we we look at dynasties or we look at uh, generations. We look at countries or we look at people. And in, in the kingdom that we see, a kingdom does a couple things. A kingdom uh, writes the story. It's the, it's the history of the kingdom. How did Rome come to being? How did Greece come to being? How did America come to being? And we see the history of the kingdom. We see God's kingdom, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. The kingdom writes the story. The kingdom sets the culture. And so if we're walking in God's kingdom, it's not an earthly culture that we walk by. We walk on earth, but God's will it comes from heaven. And so when we understand that now I'm a spiritual being, I can't fully grasp that, but I'm walking on an earthly earth, that these two conflictions of stories that happen, my culture is not necessarily here, my culture is in heaven, but it plays out here. And then there's the, the blessing or the, the bounty. The spoils go to the kingdom. And so uh, as Jesus came, he came for his spoils. That's us. We're part of his culture now. And it's important to understand that because we morph into a different culture. We we morph into the worries of the world. We, We morph into the doubts and the fears. We morph into anxiety and anxiousness. We we morph into a, a thing of no peace. And we and we we start to morph out of the culture of the spiritual realm. And so in the kingdom, there's four different things that, that a kingdom has to have. First of all, a kingdom has to have a king. There can't be a king, uh, kingdom without a king. And we know who the king is. His name is King Jesus. Can we give it up for King Jesus just for a moment? Because he's worthy. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley, the mighty rose of Sharon. He is this king. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. He is the king. You have opportunity to know the king in a personal level. First hand, you can know the king. We have people that have asked Brian Polk, you know, there was a president, Polk. I said, Brian, do you, are you relationship to the, to the Polk family? He said, yeah, kind of a distant, 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 distant relationship. But yeah, I said, that's kind of cool. Like you're great, 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 great. Uncle's brother-in-law was a president. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I mean, I would hang that on my door. Yeah, the Polk family. <laughs> Landon's great, 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 great uncle's dad's father's sister's brother was a king or something or some kind of royalty in Scotland or somewhere. Somewhere. Your family is something. Mine's, <laughs> my family, the only family in the world spells dolphins, D-O-L-P-H-E-N-S. If you spell your name that way, you're related to me. That's kind of cool. But also, there's not a lot of history there. At some point in time, my great-great-grandfather may have changed the name. We're not sure. Not sure what he did to change the name, but you have history. 
you're directly related to the king of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke, and this world exists because of it. He's your king. If you love Jesus, he's your king. So a kingdom has to have a king, and then a kingdom has to have territory. You can be king over your domain, but if you have no territory, you have no domain. It's like uh, some men are king of their castle until mama comes home. But you're king of your castle. A king has to have a territory. But when Jesus came back to earth, he resumed his territory. He didn't give it up. Adam and Eve gave it up in, in, in purpose. When Jesus came back, but he, he came back to, to get his territory, came back for his territory, but his territory right now are the people. He wanted to make sure. And so a king has a kingdom has a king, a kingdom has a territory, and then a kingdom has subjects or people. This is where the scripture says in Paul writes, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because we, if you're not a subject now, you will be. Or you will at least be acknowledgement. If you watch any of the old royalty shows, the, the two things they want, uh, they want the subject to do is to bow and kiss the ring, to, to acknowledge lordship. And so Paul's taking that into account when he says, wait a second, we're serving the king. We are his people. We are subject to his, number four, his laws. So the laws in the Old Testament, yes, they were law, laws, they were boundaries because the um, Israelites lived in Egypt for 400 years and so their culture after culture after culture, they learned only the wicked ways and so the Lord had to give them new set of laws and bylaws and, and how to operate, kind of a guiding light. And yes, there were some harsh realities to the fact that if they broke those laws, maybe there would be death or, or penalty and then we walk into the age of grace and the laws turn more into principles. Yes, we still must obey the laws of the Lord. We still must obey the laws of the Lamb, but there, there are principles. If I, if I uh, am loved, then I need to give out love. If I am forgiven, I need to give out forgiveness. If I obtain mercy, I need to give mercy back. If I give, it shall be given back to me. Good measure pressed down and shaken together shall God cause men to give back unto me. These are laws or principles of the Scripture. These are God's principles. And so when we see in that scripture that his kingdom, his kingdom operates differently. It's not a kingdom based on politics. It's not a, a kingdom based on favoritism. It's not a kingdom based on wealth because he came lowly. He came as a baby in a manger, born to an unwed teenage girl, uh, knowing that he was going to live a life that was sinless and he was going to die as the perfect lamb so that what we could have life, that we could be members of this kingdom. It's like how your royalty today. It says it in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. It also says in Peter. Peter says, you're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You're a special treasure to God. So if life beats you down, know that heaven will pick you back up. That you have people surrounding you. You have a Godhead that loves you. You have the Holy Spirit that will dwell within you if you allow him to. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave now dwells within us. This is an important thing because we're not part of this earthly kingdom. We're part of a heavenly kingdom which is vast, which is huge, which is full of love and hope. 
And then the other word is us. This, this word us, uh, uh, together, like uh, a lot of, some people, sometimes people will, will talk about us, uh, you know, a lot of times it'll be Pastor Mark and Janie, or Janie and Pastor Mark, it'll be, it's us, it's, it's the two of us, some couples or some families, it'll just be us. And so in us, uh, we'll, we'll roll out the for us, with us, and, and in us. This is the, the way it works in salvation. This is the way it worked for Jesus. Jesus came for us. In fact, Luke 2.10 said he came for all of us. He came for every single one of us. That, that uh, it, he would, that all would be saved and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So he came for all, he didn't come just for the elect. He didn't come just for one political party or one nation. He came for all of us. In fact, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So he came for us. Think about that for a moment when you realize the creator of the universe came for me, came for you. That there's nothing that you could have ever done to make him wish that he didn't come for you. He came for us. It's the beauty of Christmas. For if God be with us, if God be for us, who can be against us? Paul writes that in Romans 8.31, one of the most dynamic chapters in all of scriptures is Romans the 8th chapter. We look at what God did for us. And sometimes I think maybe we act like spoiled little children and we always have to have our way. We want to get what we want to get. It's, it's always got to be about us, but it's not about us. It's just for us. And then we're, we're enveloped into what God, but he came for us. A.W. Tozer says, salvation by Jesus did not come by fist, but by nail-scarred hands. Not by muscle, but by love. Not by vengeance, but by forgiveness. Not by force, but by grace through sacrifice. See, Jesus came, and he could have come any way that he wanted to. But he chose to came as, uh, come as a baby in a manger. Why? For us, from top to bottom, those who are the lowly of heart, those who have the giant egos and were in power. He came for all people. Jesus stood in front of Pontius Pilate in John's gospel, the 19th chapter. And he said, for this cause, what was the cause? Us. For this cause, I was born. Why was it for us? But us doesn't only include the people that attend Grace Church. It includes the people that attend every church. It doesn't include people, it doesn't include people that don't attend church. It still includes them. The people that, the 73% that aren't in church today, it includes them. Not including those who are watching online because they're technically in church. Today. They're in church with us. With us. So he came for us. But everyone has a cause. So over the next several weeks, I would like you to, to pray, Lord, what's my cause? It could be a, a dynamic ministry. It could be uh, growing a church. It could be serving in the church. It could be cleaning the bathrooms. It could be working in the nursery. It could be joining the worship team. It could be going door to door, knocking on door. What's my cause? It could be raising a brand new uh, grandbaby. It could be having another brand new baby. What's my cause? Your cause is going to change seasonally. 
You may be a grandparent and you may want to just watch somebody's brand new baby for a day or two. And the beautiful part of grandparenting is you get to get the baby back at the end of the day. That's like, you don't, no sleepless nights unless it's your choice. This is beautiful, right? You can spoil them rotten and then send them home like Janie does. You can have a special day with them. And they can feel like they're on top. One of the things that uh, uh, Janie did when we were young parents is she would just think, we need to have a Jill day or a Jessica day or a Marcus day or, or an Andrew day. And the older three will say, every day is Andrew's day. <laughs> Not true. Not true, but, you know, or sibling rivalry. But then, so then she would, well, I need to have a Brady day and a Jonah day. I need to have a Cam day. I need to have a, a Sailor day and a Judah day. God wants to have a you day. And the beauty of God is he, have, he can have a you day every day, and everybody else still feels like he's having a us day. God came for us through his son, Jesus Christ, but he didn't stop there. Then he came with us. So he comes alongside of us. Bible says Emmanuel, God with us. Colossians 2 says, walking in him with thanksgiving. John, let's go to John 4, 1 and 14 in the Message Bible says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. He moved into our neighborhood. Janie and I are from cultural neighborhoods in South Omaha. Much like today you'd say, well, we're from South Caldwell or we're from Burke County or Catawba or maybe someone would say, well, we're from Ohio or we're from Watauga. Is that, is that the mountains, Watauga? Yeah, that's you, baby. Yes, we're from Watauga. And everybody, every cultural setting might have a little bit of a cultural norm attached to it. Well, I'm from the mountains, or I'm from the Midwest. Or and in South Omaha had a real cultural setting. You know, the old houses, uh, uh, we don't see much around here, but they have front porches and back patios. And the front porches, mom and dad would, would sit out, maybe have their coffee in the morning. And you knew every single neighbor, not only the neighbor, you knew their kids and their, and their grandkids. And then at night, maybe they would sit on the patio. And, and I would say this, that uh, central air and garage door openers just ruined that whole culture. Because people hit the button, they pull in, they hit the button again, and it goes back down. Central air, we're not sitting out in the heat, but uh, we didn't have central air. We didn't have garage door openers. So they sat out back, and, and this is a culture, okay? This is, this is a culture. But Jesus came, and he moved into our neighborhood, and he knows everybody by name, even you. He knows your enemies by name. He knows the people that don't like you by name. He knows the people that love you by name. And he loves every single one of them. He moved into our neighborhood. The old Mr. Rogers neighborhood or Captain Kangaroo or some of the old shows that we watched growing up. The, they were all about neighborhood. And not only is he with us, but he's for us. I read a story recently of a Navy SEAL. Uh, who's going to a West Coast university and uh, still in the, in the service, you know, built to the hill, ready to die for country and, and, and loved God, loved God, loved family. That was the order. And uh, he was taking classes, but he also had a little business on the side. And he had a friend named Jesus who um, uh, 
was in business with him, and they had an appointment in the afternoon. So he sent uh, Jesus a text, hey, we're, we're still meeting today, 2 o'clock, just a reminder. Put his phone on silent, laid it on his desk. He sat in the front row because he was a good student, and uh, he was taking classes. And, and so it was Christmas time of the year, uh, sent the text out, phone on silent, phone on his desk. He's ready for class. All right, let's, let's do this. Uh, anxious, excited. Well, the professor, it's Christmas time, and the professor was an atheist, didn't love God, didn't like Christmas, was just, you know, he's a, he, he despised it. Uh, Christians are weak. Uh, they're, they're mindless. You know, you're taking this thing. How do you know Jesus ever came? Who is this Jesus? And so he stood there boldly, almost mockingly. He said, listen, if there is a God, I want him to knock me off my feet right here and right now. Come on, God, knock me off my feet. Challenging God, upside one side, down the other, and uh, you know the uh, the Navy SEAL was just sitting there, and he got his text back from from Jesus, and he said, uh, "I can't make it. Can you handle it for me?" He got up, he walked up to the professor, and just with one punch, cold cocked him, just knocked him off his feet. Professor stunned. What'd you do that for? Showed him his phone. Jesus called, said he can't make it. Can you handle it for me? <laughs> I'm not promoting that, promoting that type of evangelism, but just in case. That's how we did it in South Omaha. <laughs> if you're not going to listen, we're going to make you listen. God is with us, and he wants to use us in some form, some way, or some shape. And it's important that we are hearing from God. It may be a text from Jesus, Jesus, that causes you to do something. It may be a form just in church service. It may be somebody that says something, but you hear it differently. And it's just the spirit or the voice of the Lord challenging you. I've heard people say this before. Hey, pastor, you remember when you preached on that? Did not. You told, yeah, you said, you told us to do that. Did not. It's the Spirit of the Lord that dealt with you during that service. It was the Spirit of God that spoke to you. Yeah, no, you said that. I've gone back and listened to the tape. I didn't say no such thing. But you heard it because it was the voice of the Lord walking with you. The voice of the Lord walked with Adam and Eve in the garden daily, walked with them. And God still wants to walk with us today through his word, through his love. Through, his, through, his cher through cherishing him. And then last but not least is in us. So he's for us, he's with us, and now he's in us. When we receive Christ, he walks in us. In fact, Paul said the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave now dwells within us. John says, greater is he that is within you than he that was within the world. So now we have this power of God that was, it was within us. We're walking and we see the Savior came he walked with them on earth, but now he lives within each and every one of us. This is what Christmas is about. This is the beauty of Christmas is we can walk in forgiveness. We can walk in love. We can walk in mercy. We can walk in truth. We can walk in life because Jesus now walks within us. Well, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it. It doesn't change it. My hope is that because he came for us, he came for all of us, and that someday maybe you'll receive that, and we're going to allow you to, be, to belong as long as you want to, and someday maybe you'll become one of us. 
Who are us? Well, we're children of the Most High King. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're, we're with Christ because he's with us. But then it changes after salvation. It goes from for us, with us, in us, to in us, with us, and for us. What's the difference? Well, now that Christ lives in us, Paul says things like, hey, Christ is in you. Christ be with you. His son is in me. Christ is formed in you and in me, in Christ who lives in me. This new thing now that Jesus lives within us, so that in the Old Testament they were waiting for a Savior, and then in Jesus' day they walked with the Savior. Now the Savior lives in us who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. And so there's a newness now. Then this newness is that he is living inside of us, but if he's living inside of us, then we need to know that he's walking with us. That's the second part, again, of the newness in Christ. Now he was for us, with us, and in us. Now he's in us, and he's with us, and if he's with us, it's like he sends angelic hosts. Remember the story in 2 Kings, Elijah had a little helper. The little helper was scared out of his mind, didn't know there was an army surrounding them, and Elijah said, uh, Lord, open his eyes. And he looked up and he saw, he saw angels, warfare angels and the heavily surrounding them. And he's ready to go to battle, just them. Listen, God be with you. This was an old saying in the, in the, in the new early church in the new saying, hey, God be with you. They wouldn't say God bless you. They'd say God be with you. That was even more important. God's blessings are great, but when God walks with you, that's a whole different deal. When Jesus be with you, let the Lord be with you. What a powerful statement. He's with you in sickness. He's with you in health. He's with you in doubt and fear and blessing and favor. The Lord be with you. He goes with you. Janie and I like to go to different places together. We may go shopping together. We may go uh, uh, to restaurants together. We may go to the mall together. We may go different places together. And she said, she'll say, what are we going to do today? We're with each other a lot of times. We work together. We, we go out together. We do things together. We're with each other a good portion of the time. And so sometimes we don't even know for sure what to say. We've already talked about everything. I mean, what, what, what more can you say? But sometimes it's just the company that I like. We're with her. And I'm not a big shopper. I don't love shopping. And you know my story. You go to a mall, and 90% of the mall is geared towards women. So I'll tell her, I'm going to go to my corner and shop. And then I'll come out, and we'll, we'll find each other. And she said the other day, oh, look at all these baby clothes. Why do you think they're all girl-related? I said, they're getting them ready for adulthood. Because all clothes are all girl-related, and then you got this little corner of, of, the, of the guy stuff, right? But I enjoy being with her, and so a lot of times I'll patiently wait. Sometimes I do come up and, you know, nudge the cart. Are you ready? She said, I just started. Okay, I'll I make sure I have my phone on me because my Bible's on my phone, and I'll go find a place to sit. But I enjoy being with her. Jesus enjoys being with you. And when our kids were younger and they would go to high school parties or football games, we would remind them, Jesus is with you. Don't do anything that would make him or offend him because he's, he's there with you. He's with us. He's with us. Let me read you something out of Proverbs really quick because this is important because I'll, I'll give you an idea what the us really means in Jesus' take. 
There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, in other words, looking down on those people that Jesus loves. A lying tongue, in other words, talking about those people that Jesus loves. Hands that shed innocent gloves, hurting those people that Jesus loves. A heart that devises wicked plans, forming a vengeance on those people that Jesus loves. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A busy body who wants bad things to happen to those that Jesus loves. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among the brothers. Why is that? Why, why did Solomon write that under the spirit of the Holy Spirit or the unction of the living God? Is because that we are are us. We are them. They are us. We are in this together. This is why Jesus says, love God, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love them because he is living in their neighborhood. He is one of us. And if we take a vengeance to one of his people, if we take a vengeance to one of his people that aren't us yet, it's really not an us versus them. That's the evilness of nature. That's the fall of man. There is no us in them. There is only us and those who are going to become us. Those that don't know Jesus yet, but they need to be us. We're not an elitist group. We're just a group that loves God, that says, hey, if you're not with us, come on, join us. Be a part of us. You're with us. And then last, but well, the with us in, in Christ means one. He says he'll never leave us or forsake us. We have access to the throne of grace. And so Paul says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places already. So there's the other conflict that I'm here, I'm, I'm mortal, I'm, I'm growing in my age, in my stature. I think all my hair is, that's going to fall out has fallen out, but now it's turning white. And I look in the mirror and I realize, dang, I'm getting old. Us. I try to hit the weights and go for a run, and my body hurts for three days afterwards. I work out with the boys and the grandsons, and they say, What's that noise? That's just my elbows or my knees. Papa, your your body shouldn't make noises like that. I know, but it's just I'm sitting with Jesus in heavenly places. My body doesn't know it yet. And so there's this conflict that we, yes, we grow old here in the physical, but we're young in the spiritual. We're, we're now with Jesus. Our bodies just have to catch up. And that's a spiritually deep theological quote, and maybe you have to spend some time on it. How can I be here and there? How can Paul even say that? Because our spirit's new, our spirit's fresh. We're, we're waiting for that time where we can go be with Jesus in the air. And then last but not least is the, is the for us. There, this, uh, we, we see now that he's in us, he's with us, and he's for us, where before he was for us, with us, and in us. But the, the for us has a bigger uh, connotation now as the, as the worship team comes back. Let's read Revelations 21 out of the Message Bible. I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look. God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. There is people. He's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears are gone. Crying's gone. Pain is gone. All the first order of things are gone. That's sin. The enthroned continued, look, I'm making everything new. Write it down. 
Each word dependable and accurate. Wait a second. Where Jesus moved into our neighborhood now, he's inviting us to move into his neighborhood where everything is new. And someday, yes, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There's a new mindset, though. We can, we can be, we're created in newness when we become born again in Christ Jesus. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly doesn't necessarily mean here on earth it can, but where it really means is this eternity where now everything becomes new. There's no crying, there's no pain, there's no tears. Everything's been wiped away. Stand with me this morning, Every, everyone in this room, if you would, and those watching in line, just be intent for another moment. He's with us. He's for us. So he says to his disciples, I go and prepare a place for you that where I go, you may come also. The dynamics of Jesus that we don't understand is he's living not only in our hearts, but he's living in the heavenlies. How can that be? Maybe we don't fully understand it. We just have to accept it. We look at the Christmas story last week, and we'll probably read it again next week or the week after. And we see where it was the shepherds, lowly shepherds in a field, a job nobody else wanted, that heard about the Lord first. It was a teenage girl that gets pregnant by God that nobody would accept. It was a, a fiance that wanted to run and bolt. It was a, a, a misfit of people in the New Testament that, that God, that Jesus grabs to be his disciples. He's always been for the other people that nobody else wants to be around. The, they're the us. And then he understands that, there, there, yes, there would be kings and queens and princes and princes. There would be uh, people in our life that maybe are, but they're us. He didn't come just for the down and out. He came for the up and in. He didn't come for just the poor. He came for the rich. He came for us. And he chose to do it as a baby in a manger because that's where life starts. And if you have had a baby recently or in the last several years and you hold that little baby, they capture your heart. And that's what Jesus wants to do today. He wants to capture our heart because he became us. So as we sing this last song, I want you to just render your heart to the Lord. Joel, the second chapter said we should render our hearts, not our garment. It's not what we look like on the outside. It's how we are on the inside. Let me pray and we'll sing. And while we sing the next song, just ask the Lord to grab your heart like maybe a present has or a baby has or a loved one has. Ask Jesus to capture that heart. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for coming. Thank you for coming and dying. We thank you, Lord, and we don't even fully understand how you chose to come as a baby in a manger at Christmas time. But we know that that touches our hearts. Those little babies are full of love. They cuddle, they cry, they weep, they scream, they yell. Lord, and sometimes that's how your church is. We cry, we scream, we yell, we, we grab for attention, but we also have your heart. And so, Lord, please capture our heart today. We thank you so much. The love that you've showed coming 
We want to give that back. We want to give that love back to you. Thank you for receiving it. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Peace on earth and
Amen. When God left heaven and came to this earth, he moved into your neighborhood. If you are in Christ, then Christ is in your neighborhood as well. Um, how many of you received that message today? Was that powerful to know that we can take Christ everywhere that we go? And he's in us so we can carry Christ to everyone around us. I want to tell you something really important. Uh, the next six days of this week, just leading up to next Sunday, is probably the greatest opportunity for you to impact the life of somebody who's far from God. Now, you can share Christ all year long, and I hope that you do. But I have the uh, little uh, Christmas with Grace card that we created, and there's a bunch of these at the VIP booth. I want to challenge you today to take one of these cards with you and pray about who you can invite to church this week. In our church this Sunday morning, you may not realize this, but we have rows of people in both services that are here because somebody just said, you know what, I'm going to listen to what the pastor said, and I'm going to invite somebody to church. Uh, even in the first service, specifically, I'm thinking of a family that they said, we're going to invite our neighbors to church, who invited their coworkers to church, who those people invited other family members and more family members to church. And, and that's just one example of many examples. It's because in this season, people's hearts are open to Jesus Christ, and maybe your spouse um, doesn't come to church, or maybe your grandchildren don't come to church uh, anywhere. But this Sunday, next week on the 17th, might be that Sunday where they say, okay, sure, because it's a Christmas present giveaway or because it's Christmas, and we don't know what God's going to do in their life when they come and hear the gospel. We don't know if they're going to come, but even that seed planted is still opening up a little bit more and watering a seed of what God is doing. So um, how many of you are going to pray about who you can give one of these cards to or even just sharing the social media online? Raise your hand and say, yes, I'm going to make a decision that this week I'm going to invite somebody to church. I want to make an impact. All right, and then there's also the 24th as well, which is another opportunity. Um, so I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that Christ comes inside of your heart if he hasn't already. But if he's in you, that you carry him to your neighborhoods, to your job, to your school, wherever you go this week, that I want you to make an impact and, and uh, take Jesus with you wherever you go. All right, so let's ask God to do what only he can do and soften the hearts of those uh, that are far from him that this Christmas will be a different Christmas for all of those that we love. Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to uh, just share you with everyone everywhere. God, I pray that you would just impact our hearts and our lives. God, I pray that you would be uh, uh, the ones that we're thinking of even now. God, we call out their names to you. We ask that you would bless them and that you would draw them to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One more thing, there's uh, some devotionals up here. If you want to draw closer to the Lord right up here uh, on the stage, you can come up and grab one of these. Uh, they make a great gift as well, but take some time to uh, draw closer to the Lord this Christmas. We love you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.